What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, December the 5th, 2022. It's episode 142 of the podcast. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also watch and listen along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 141 Prior, and as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star. doesn't make a difference. Uh, just any feedback is greatly appreciated, not just for me, but for everyone involved within the money media. And as always, please make sure that bell icon, if you are over on uh, YouTube, is lit up. That way you get notified when new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. This week's show is going to be purely about the upcoming NFL slate. There will be no horse racing. And it's simply just a matter of, I want to talk about two-year-olds. I don't feel I'm fully prepared to do that just yet. I want to take a look at them over the next week. And then next week's show, we'll be primarily talking, I don't want to say primarily, it'll only talk about the two-year-old males. Maybe we wrap up the following week with the two-year-old fillies. But two-year-old males in focus next Monday, looking ahead to 2023, where there will be three-year-olds and they will be on their road or on the way anyway, to the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown. So I think it's a good time to now go back, look at some of these two-year-old performances post-Breeders' Cup. And most importantly, if there are, I don't want to say horses that aren't obvious, but horses that may be flying a little bit under the radar that you want me to discuss next week, uh, beneath the video player on YouTube, even if you're someone who doesn't watch and listen over on YouTube, or somebody that listens on your phone or on your iPad or tablet or something else, Leave the comment beneath the video player on YouTube. That way, that's the easiest way for me to go about finding things. On Twitter, things can get lost in filters and whatnot. So uh, if there are two-year-olds, males, that you specifically want discussed or my thoughts and feelings and X, Y, and Z on, next week's show, leave them beneath the video player on YouTube. But this week, it's purely football. Looking ahead to week 14, uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't typically stick around for this, I'm not going to hold it against you. This is usually at the end of the show, but the model is cooking with gas right now. And anyone who's done any of this kind of stuff recognizes that can turn on its head. But I'd like to think that we have enough data right now to really feel pretty solid about some of these projections and more specifically, some of the bets being made. I, I, I say it time and time again, you are not forced to make any wager. No one is telling you, you absolutely have to make a bet. Only bet when you feel like you're getting the best of it. And when the model is going the way that it is, I think the the opportunities that are being identified are quality ones. Over the past three weeks on this show, 8-4-1 and one overall. Uh, that record is reflected in my Twitter bio, also over on my Substack, substack.mattbernier.com. But last week, just a few examples. And, and again, if you don't want to stick around, that's totally fine. We'll catch you next week when we'll talk about the two-year-old Colts and Geldings, I should say. But when projections from last week, like the Commanders and the Giants, the Commanders projected at 19.6 and the Giants at 19.5, and the game ends in a 20-20 to tie, pretty good. Jets and Vikings, yes, I bet the Jets. And no, the Vikings didn't quite get to 27 on my projections. I had them at 22.5. But when you've got the Jets projected at 21.8 and they score 22 points on the road, feel pretty good. But the big one, other than the Commanders and the, the Giants game, when you project the Chiefs and Bengals game, the Bengals to win 28.4 to 25.5, a three-point difference, and the final score is Bengals 27, Chiefs 24. 
you had them favored by three. The book and everyone else had them favored. The other team, the Chiefs, favored by two. You feel pretty good about that coming into this. Four and one last week with the picks here on the pod. This week, there's only one proper bet. There are a number of leans and some interesting analysis from the projections, but only one proper bet for week 14. Just a reminder that you only have to bet. You don't have to bet ever, but you should only bet when you really truly feel like you're getting the best of it. I think I've identified one spot for the week 14 slate, and that's what we're going to talk about on this week's show. So without further ado, projections and a bet to consider this week in the National Football League. All right, only one play from this upcoming week, but let's burn through all the games with the projections compared to the book as of about 11 a.m. Monday morning. Raiders and Rams on Thursday night. I have the Raiders winning 21.9 to 17.7. That's a 4.2 point difference. The book has the Raiders favored by six. So uh, slight edge there. My total is 39 and a half. The books is 44. Could play an under, but the Raiders are starting to show signs of life. Devontae Adams is a monster. As I said before, only make a play when you're absolutely certain on it. And I say certain, I don't mean certain that it's going to happen, but you have the utmost confidence, put it that way. There's a difference between going into it being like, eh, take a shot, and feeling pretty good about what you've got. I don't feel pretty good about any Thursday night game, so we're going to punt on that entirely. New York Jets and Buffalo Bills. I have the Bills winning 27.2 to 19.8. It's a seven and a half point difference. The spread is nine and a half in favor of Buffalo. Uh, my total is 47. The books total is 44 and a half. You can play over 44 and a half. I have that happening 58.1% of the time. You can play the Jets plus nine and a half. I have that happening 54.9% of the time. I'm just not crazy about either. Both teams have pretty solid defenses. I know the Jets look alive with Mike White, but I, I, I just, I'm not crazy about either play. So better to sit back and watch rather than force something that you don't really love. Browns and Bengals. This is going to be the only play of the week. The Bengals were kind to me last week. I hope they're kind to me again this week. And I hope they're kind to me all the way down through the AFC Championship game. I have the Bengals winning 28.8 to 20.2. That's an 8.6 point difference in favor of Cincinnati. The Bengals are favored by five and a half. The total is 48. I have a total of 49. Watson will be better. Deshaun Watson will be better with a week under his belt for the Browns. I have no doubt about that. It's a divisional matchup, AFC North, anything can happen. Keep in mind, the Browns already beat the Bengals this year, but I think that can work to Cincinnati's advantage. You got smacked around a few weeks ago. You're not going to let that happen, especially now that you're tied with Baltimore. And I, I could be wrong. I'd have to look at the standings again. I think if Cincinnati wins out, I think they get the one seed because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Kansas City, although Kansas City is 9-3 and three now maybe, so maybe they still need a little bit of help. But they're going to play Buffalo again at the end of the year, or for the first time, I should say. There's a, there's a path to the one seed for the Bengals, is what I'm trying to say. And as someone who bet them last week at 10-1 to 1 to win the AFC, I'm alive for 5,000. Their number now, after beating Kansas City yesterday, is plus 650. So you've lost 3.5 points of value with that one victory I feel pretty good about Cincinnati. I think they can cover this number. I have them covering and winning by at least six, 62.1% of the time. That translates to odds of minus 164. You compare that to the minus five and a half at minus 110. It's a tremendous overlay. The only bet of this upcoming week is going to be Cincinnati minus five and a half at home against the Browns. The other thing too, to keep in mind, and this is just me kind of talking out loud and thinking out loud. I, I, I have a, a nice ticket alive to the Bengals to win the AFC. 
Truthfully, I just need them to get to the game. Because if they get to the game, then I can hedge. And I'm not one to sit here and say, hedge everything. If you're alive for a couple hundred bucks, let it ride. Whatever happens, happens. Even if you're alive for a thousand, let it, let it ride. Five thousand, that's, that's enough, that's enough change for me to look at it and say, okay, well, maybe I don't go 50-50 down the middle, but let's just say, hypothetically, they play, they play the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game, a rematch of last year's game, right? And the Bengals are plus 135 money line, or excuse me, they're plus 115, Kansas City's minus 125, minus 135, something like that. At least at that point, knowing that I've got Bengals in my back pocket, to pay off 5000 I can sit there and say, okay, well, Kansas City at minus 135 if I bet, you know, 2700 somewhere thereabouts to get back, you know, 2000 to the good. Okay, yeah, it eats into the profit on the other end, but you'd rather have a win than a loss. So these are other things. When you play these future markets, you can look at it that way as well. If you've got enough of a position and a strong enough position you can get into those kind of situations where it's going to end up being a win no matter what. Maybe it's not to the full breadth. And some of you may want to just let it ride if you've got that ticket. And I know we've got a long way to go between now and the AFC title game. But I feel pretty good with where Kansas City, where Cincinnati sits right now. I think they are on a good, good trajectory to be a major player again in the AFC. Eagles and Giants. I have the Eagles winning 27.7 to 20.4. It's a 7.3 point difference in favor of Philadelphia on the road. They are six and a half point road favorites according to the sports book. The book's total is 45. I have a total of 48.1. You could play over 45 here, but I'm worried on two fronts here. Okay. If this turns into a track meet, well, it can. It's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. If the Giants are to win this game. They need to keep it close and they need to keep it low scoring. I don't think they can run with Philadelphia. So that eliminates, if it's not a track meet, that eliminates the over there in my eyes. If Philly puts it on New York and they are able to just kind of open it up, I can see something similar to what we saw on Sunday with Philadelphia and Tennessee where, no, the game's never close and Philly does their job, but I don't know that the Giants can score enough points to ensure that this thing gets over 45. So while I have a projection of 48.1, I'm not crazy about it because either if the Giants keep it close, it's going to be a lower scoring game. It will not be a high scoring affair. And even if the Eagles go out there and put the boots to them, I'm not convinced that the Giants can put up enough points to get this number over 45. I don't want to have to sweat that out. It's a pass for me. Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions. This is where some funny money could be had. Uh, I have the Vikings winning 26.3 to 26.2. The total, the real spread, is minus one in favor of the Vikings on the road. The total is 53. I have a total of 52.5. The only thing I'm going to say, and this is not a hard push, after last week's projection with the Commanders and Giants of 19.6 to 19.5, and the game ends in a damn tie, Take a flyer on three-way money line draw. Um, I don't know if some of these other books have just, you know, tie at the end of regulation sort of thing. Take a flyer. Some of these prices are north of 50 to 1. I'm not saying put $100, to, you know, to win on there. Maybe you put 10 bucks. Maybe you put 5 bucks. Something just funny money. Silly rooting interest for a tie. I don't see any real edge there in that game. It's a pass for me other than maybe a little bit of uh, a flyer on a tie. 
at the end of regulation. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans. I have the Titans winning 22.9 to 18.6. That's a 4.3 point difference. The book has the spread at three and a half in favor of Tennessee at home. My total is 41 and a half. The book's total is 41 and a half. End of story. Nothing to play there. Texans and Cowboys in Dallas. I have Dallas winning 33.3 to 12.8. It's a 20.4 point difference which is considerably larger than the 16.5 points that the Cowboys are favored by. The total is 46. My total is 46, so there's nothing there. Theoretically, you could lay the points with the Cowboys. Part of me thinks the line is a bit inflated purely based on the Sunday night debacle in the second half, or more specifically the fourth quarter from the Indianapolis Colts. But also, that Vikings game from a few weeks ago, I'm sure, is fresh in people's minds. I have such a difficult time convincing myself that one professional team will beat another professional team by three scores. Could it happen? Certainly. Do I want to bet on it, even though it's the Houston Texans? Not really. The Cowboys have a number of big games ahead of them. I'm not saying that they're going to overlook Houston, but would it surprise me if, you know, it ends up being slightly closer than it should be? When I say slightly closer, 14 points which if you laid the 16 and a half, you're screwed, wouldn't stun me. It's a game that if you are absolutely hell-bent on playing, maybe you lay the points, but I just, I have a hard time recommending that. Uh, again, it's a professional game. We're not dealing with college kids. One team of pros versus another team of pros. 16 and a half is a huge number. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. This game, I'm assuming it's going to be Tyler Huntley. So that's what my projections are based off of, not based on Lamar Jackson playing. I have Baltimore winning 18.6 to 18.5 over Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. My total is 37.1. The book's total is 38. The book has the Steelers favored by two. You could certainly take the points on the road with Baltimore. I would probably be more interested in doing something silly like I did with the, or I suggested with the Minnesota-Detroit game. Take a flyer on a three-way money line draw or a regulation tie, something like that. Or look at some of the team totals. I've not inspected those, but I can see both of these teams coming in under 20. Even less than that, really. Uh, it's not a game that I'm super interested in betting. I will be interested in rooting for the Steelers, purely because of my position on Cincinnati. But I do. I basically have this game laid out as a pick -em. Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are god-awful. Uh, I have Kansas City winning, and to be honest, the number is closer than I thought it would be. 23.6 to 16.7. That is a 6.9 point difference in favor of Kansas City. I have a total of 40.3. The book has Kansas City favored by 9.5 on the road and a total of 43.5. I simply cannot, despite the fact that my numbers suggest you got some value on taking the home dog and getting a big number on a home dog, 9.5. I can't convince myself to take it. That offense is just so, so putrid. It's so bad. It's painful to watch. They killed me yesterday not being able to beat Baltimore. I would do something that they won't do in a million years. And not because he sucks this year, which he does. I would sit Russell Wilson for the rest of the year. You, you cannot afford him to be complete garbage for the, for the duration of that contract. Now, maybe he's totally lost it. But I'm looking at it from a few different points. A, maybe he is actually hurt a little bit. And if he is, what do you gain by trotting him out there? You're not going to make the playoffs. You don't have a first-round pick. Just sit him down. If it's a confidence thing, 
sit them down. Hard reset. Say, you know what? Go have one of your stupid Subway sandwiches. Sit on the bench. Chill out for the rest of the year. You're going to have the offseason. We're going to fire Hackett. That's a foregone conclusion. His ass is out of town. We bring somebody else in. We start over next year. Javante Williams, hopefully his knee is not a complete, complete train wreck. You know, I still, I know a lot of people say that their outside play is garbage. I, I don't know. I think they've got decent enough guys. Jerry Judy's got to stay on the field. But between Judy and Sutton and Tim Patrick, who got hurt at the beginning of the year, I, mean, they, they, I think they've got enough if they just had competent play calling and competent quarterback play. I think they've got enough to be competitive anyway. Those are reasons that I would sit him down. You, you cannot afford him to be this bad for the rest of that contract. And maybe he will be. Maybe there's no fixing him. But you certainly don't gain anything by playing him anymore, I don't think. Not this season. This is a lost season. Draw a line through it. Red Cross out. Start looking at next year. You're going to have a new coach. Have him come in with a fresh set of eyes. Have Russ come back. Rested. Hopefully Williams comes back in decent shape. I still maintain their outsides okay. And their defense is still outstanding. That's just what I would do. But I can't convince myself to take the points at home. Because I just don't think they can score enough. Under could be a play. I have 40.3 projected. The total is 43.5. The concern there is... Denver's going to do their job. I have no doubt about that. It's still taking an under against Pat Mahomes and Kansas City. I'm, not, I'm just not crazy about that. And it's not a big total, 43 and a half. I mean, shit, Kansas City can score 30 on their own easy. <laughs> I guess in that case, can Denver score 14? Probably not. We haven't seen that for quite some time. I, it's just a game that I'm going to sit back and watch and see what happens. But if you were really inclined, sure. I mean, look, nine and a half on a home team in the NFL, it's a massive number, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Uh, the Panthers and the Seahawks, I'm not going to put a number out there because of the uncertainty of Kenneth Walker. Uh, if he plays, certainly this game is a lot closer. If he doesn't, changes the dynamic a little bit for what it's worth. Uh, the number is Seattle minus three and a half at home. The total is 44, but it's a pass for me. Monday night could affect this number a little bit, the Bucks and the 49ers, depending on what happens with Tampa. But I have San Francisco winning 21.1 to 17.0. Now, there's a lot going around, going on with this game here. First, my projection right now. San Francisco by 4.1. The total is 38.2. Uh, the book has San Francisco favored by 3. The total is 37.5. This could change a little bit based on Monday night. The fighting Brock Purdy's. Going to bat for San Francisco next Sunday. I don't know that I really want to be betting on any contest like that. Now there's, you know, it sounds like Baker Mayfield is going to be released. Does San Francisco want to bring him in? I don't know that that helps, for being honest. I think he's kind of cashed. But as I look here and I think about it more and more, I don't like the team. I don't think Tampa's any good. Said that last week, say it again now. But if you're telling me the prospect of Tom Brady in San Francisco, in the area that he grew up, getting three points against either Brock Purdy or Baker Mayfield, I know their defense is electric, and I know they've got great playmakers on offense, but a team is only as good as their quarterback. I would almost, if I was going to make a play on this game, I would be inclined to say 
I'm going with the GOAT. I'm going to take the points on the road. Even though I think his team is terrible. Sunday night. Should be a fun game. Dolphins and Chargers. I have Miami winning 25.9 to 22.5. That's a 3.4 point difference. The book has the Dolphins favored by 2.5. You might want to grab that while you can if you like Miami. Because that's at minus 115. I think it could move to 3 pretty quick. The total I have at 48.4. The book has 52. The, the offenses are too hot for me to really want to have to sweat out an under on a Sunday night. Don't really want to do it. Not going to do it. And then Monday night. Ugh. Oh, the Patriots are in prime time again. Coming off of just a, a complete no-show on Thursday against the Bills at home. The good news is they're playing the Cardinals, who are trash. New England might be trash, too, but... I have the Pats winning 22.4 to 18.7. It's a 3.7 point difference. I have a total of 41. The interesting thing here, the Patriots are one and a half point road favorites and the total is 44. So there are cases to be made for the Patriots to lay the one and a half. There are cases to be made to play under 44. Of the two, I'm more interested in under 44. I have that happening 59.2% of the time. It's currently minus 115, probably moves to 43 and a half soon. So again, another one, if you like it, get involved. But but it's such a difficult thing for me to really kind of come to terms with because as everyone has said, beating it to death, New England is really, really poor against mobile quarterbacks. That second level, they just don't have the athletes back there. Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback. Kyler Murray also kind of sucks. Yes, he can make things happen. He's more of a schoolyard play. He just, I don't, I don't have any faith in him. He has one guy that he can really rely on, DeAndre Hopkins. Put any quarterback out there. DeAndre Hopkins can make him look competent. So, the Patriots offense is terrible. We know that. They can't score points. But they, occasionally they can. Their defense struggles against running quarterbacks, or mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback. Do you really want to have to figure out some sort of a, you know, jigsaw puzzle about Ken? Will they or won't they keep it lower scoring? I don't. We'll see how the week goes. Maybe I end up getting involved. I'll probably get involved if the number goes up. Looks like it's going to come down to 43.5. If for whatever reason it starts to float up to 44.5, 45. Yeah, maybe I'd be interested. Get a little bit more value out of it. But I just... Yeah. I'm probably going to hate watch it, honestly. Because this team is just not good. My favorite team, the Patriots. Cardinals suck too, but that's neither here nor there. So the only play for the week. Past three weeks, 8-4-1 on this pod. Coming off of a 4-1 week. One bet. Browns at Bengals. Bengals minus 5.5 at minus 110. I have that happening 62.1% of the time looking to stay hot here in the nfl there you have it the only play for the weekend browns at Bengals will go with cincy minus five and a half cover that one at home hopefully continue on to bigger and better things down the road uh, thoughts comments questions concerns beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt although beneath the video player is a better bet uh, for me to see that because of the filters and things that i've got up on twitter the other thing Again, if you are interested in a specific two-year-old male that you want to hear more about on next week's show, uh, leave it beneath the video player, or you could even email me, bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. Uh, it's just an instance where I could certainly go over the obvious ones, and I will, but I wanted to get a better 
take a little bit more time, watch some more tape, see what some of these fields have come back to do, things like that. So we'll dive into that for next week's show. Those of you that aren't super thrilled with, with football, uh, apologies. It's part of the show this time of year, and we're in a little bit of a quiet spell as far as horses are concerned. We're getting closer and closer to New Year's, where we're going to end up having the newly turned three-year-olds. The championship meet at Gulfstream will be back. Oaklawn opens up this weekend. you got a number of things that are starting to come along. We all know about the opening day, day after Christmas at Santa Anita. So bigger and better racing is coming, but this was a much needed, and I know Delmar just wrapped up their meet with some big races, but this is a much needed little bit of a breather before we really dive back into it. I always talk about the, the six-month seasons, the cycles of horse racing. It's build up to Triple Crown, build up to Breeders' Cup, build up to Triple Crown, build up to Breeders' Cup, six months at a time. This is that one month where I feel like we all get to take a little bit of a breath, Sure, there's big, good races going on, but you have a little bit of time. you got holidays going on. Now we can start to really start looking ahead and trying to get a feel for who some of these two-year-olds, who the stars of tomorrow might be. And I say tomorrow. We're only about five months away from the first Saturday in May. Again, if you've got any thoughts on horses or on football or anything else for that matter, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. That's going to do it for episode 142 of this pod. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This has been the Matt Bernier Show.